just on my heart this morning to read a, a so familiar psalm that I almost didn't feel like doing it, but I'll read the 23rd psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Shall we humble our hearts in a word of prayer? Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that we can gather around your word. We thank you that we are able to do it in peace and in openness. We thank you for this facility and this community that allows us to use it. We ask that you would bless them, that you would bless them even with hearts that would have a hunger to look for Christ. We ask that you would lead our communities and our nation and that you would turn hearts to you. We ask that your spirit would be with us this morning, that it would open this word to the speaker and that would it open our ears and our hearts as listeners and that you would provide a message that would encourage, that would comfort, that would lead us Correct us and guide us. We ask that you would give us faith that we could walk in comfort and with that knowledge that you know where we are. You know our walk and our trials. We ask that you would encourage those who today cannot gather and fellowship around your word. That you would give them that peace and understanding that you are with them. We ask these things in Jesus' name, who has taught us to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Does anybody have a song we can continue with?
I would have been okay if Shane would have just spoke from that text he read. Just with these songs that we sang, I had a couple of thoughts come to my mind, and I'll, I'll just read a couple of short verses of Scripture here to start with. Concerning the church, concerning that first song we sang where it says, Softly and tenderly he calls us. It says in the very last few verses in Revelations, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of the life freely. And then in, in Ephesians it speaks of, of, of Jesus and his maintenance of the church it says husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify it sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word that he might present it and present it to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that it should be holy and without blemish And then later it says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So he's he's always working at, as I said, the maintenance of this church. We we are the bride of Christ here, and it says that, that he... He turns this bride to himself and says, look at my glorious church. I guess in my own thinking, I would say he would turn it, turn it out to the world and say, look at my glorious church. But it says he, he, he presents it unto himself, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that it should be holy and without blemish. So for a text this morning, I'll read from the 10th chapter of Hebrews, starting with the 31st verse, reading to the 39th, reading these words in Jesus' name. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, But call to remembrance the former days in which, after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great great fight of affliction, partly while ye were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly while ye became companions of them that that were so used. For ye had compassion of me in my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great rep- recompense of reward. For ye, have, for ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. 
But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Amen. (laughs) Greetings of grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Be multiplied unto each one gathered here now and forever. Amen. I'm kind of like Shane was last Sunday up here. I don't know where to start and where to finish. But anyways, I ask for your ask for your prayers that we could be edified, fed by this word. I think of different instances, different people in the scriptures where it speaks of of we might say phenomenal things that have happened to them. And the most phenomenal, I guess, being the being the gift of salvation being given to an individual, and we can we can look at the other night we were talking about Moses and how he he was forty years of age when he had it shown unto him that he was to lead the children of Israel out of the land of bondage. And the whole story is a picture to each of us as, as individuals of, of us overcoming sin in our lives, dealing with it. The whole story of that, <coughs> the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. Moses was the one that was chosen to lead them. He's, he's 40 years old and he decides that it's time that he gets after this job he's he's about to or he's been asked to do and he sees an Egyptian and one of his own people the the Israelites fighting and he he realizes this is not good and he, he does something about it. He kills that Egyptian and buries him in the sand. And and I won't go through the whole story but Anyways, he flees to the land of Midian, I think it was, and spends 40 years after that. He's 40 years old when this happens, and he spends the next 40 years herding sheep in the desert. God had had something to teach him. And then, of course, we know the story, <coughs> excuse me, when he, when he stands before the burning bush, and then... <coughs> And then God gives him that message that now's the time that we're to to take and begin on this journey, this this leading of the children of Israel. We we like to do things on our own terms. And and when when God's terms come along, we might say that, that now it was time that he was supposed to do this. He blocked at that, and he wonders, what am I supposed to say? And, and, and he complains that he's not able to speak. He's not much of a leader, and he's not able to speak, and, and God provides those things for him. But we see that when he stands before the burning bush, and, and uh, I, I don't know if it's, a, if it's a story of his experience of of coming into faith, because he probably was always in faith, but he certainly came to a place where 
he had to deal with the living God. And he had to deal with the responsibilities that God had laid on him. And he didn't want to go there. But we know that he did. He was, he was faithful in, in doing what, what God had wanted him to do. The other, the other thing, I, a thing I think of is Abraham. He's actually before Moses. And he comes to that place where he, he makes a sacrifice. And it says that he, he fell into a deep sleep, I think it says. I have to look it up. But he, he comes to an experience where, where God deals with him and he is, is given that understanding that his descendants, which he didn't have any at the time, but his descendants would, would fall into a land of bondage, meaning that they went in, down into Egypt and they would be there 400 years and there would be some terrible things happened to them. And, and these things come into our lives. I haven't had anything that, that great come to me, but these come, in, these come into our lives when it says here that it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I think of Isaiah in the sixth chapter there, how he speaks of his own conversion. He comes to a place where he he sees the power, the might, the beauty of who God is. And what does it do to him? It brings up sin before him. He says, I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a, a nation of unclean lips. This, this word of God comes to us. And as I read there in Revelations, it's always calling us. And we, we come up with, we come up short. When we come up, when we come and see, as Isaiah did, the power of the living God. I think all people want to somehow come to a relationship with God. They want to appease him, and that's our natural understanding that we want to appease him. We want to make him happy. In in the next chapter here, it says here, and and of course it it takes faith to please God. It takes faith to make God happy, we might say. It says, faith, now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. They didn't come into faith of their own understandings and their own strength or, or accomplishments in this world. And then it says here in the sixth verse, but without faith, and we're talking about living faith. We're not talking about all kinds of faith that that men can come up and muster. It says, Without faith, it is impossible to please him, meaning God, for he, is, he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is, he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We have to come to that. We, this has to be revealed to us, who God is. We, we don't, we'll, we'll never find him. We'll ne- we can look for him 
in for a whole lifetime, and we will not have him revealed to us without enlightenment from this word. And it goes on and, and t- speaks of all the all the patriarchs of, of ancient times and old times, and and what 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 faith did for them. So this first verse that I read in this in this text I read it says it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It's fearful for us. It's fearful for the old man to come into the hands of the living God. We're dealing with more than more than flesh and blood, which we deal with, we might say, on a day-to-day basis. When we fall into the hands of the living God, and and even as I, I went through some of those things we speak about, we could we could speak about Paul's conversion. He he had he had energy. He had gumption and unction and nothing would stop him. He fell into the hands of the living God. And I think of the experiences he, he might have had and we only have the one the one thing related to us and that's Stephen's death where he had spoken to these people and they were pricked in their heart and instead of coming to terms with themselves and coming to God he was calling them he was calling him in that soft and tender voice that we just sang about they turned against him they stoned him he lost his life over that but Paul experienced him saying before he died that I see Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And just before he died, he said, don't, don't lay this to their charge. They don't know what they're doing. Paul experienced that. And I'm sure when he was on his way to Damascus, these things were enlightening him. On the physical side of things, he was going to what did he do apprehend Christians send them to court send them to their deaths I'm sure these things came to his mind when he answered the call he says later of his his conversion experience that he says he tells Agrippa I was not disobedient to that heavenly calling he could have been disobedient we all know what it's like to be disobedient I'm sure why is it a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God because it's foreign to us we get used to this life we get used to these things and this system of things that we live in and, and make our living and spend our whole lives doing It says here, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, but call to remembrance the former days in which after ye were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions. 
partly while you were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly while you became companions of them that were so used. In, in Revelations, and I, those of you that hear me often, I bring this up. When, when the, the battle takes place in heaven, and and the right wins over the wrong, we might say. Michael and his angels fight against the devil and his angels, and Michael and his angels prevailed, meaning they, they won the battle. I believe that's the time that Jesus fought and won the battle against all wrongdoing. Excuse me. And the other place that I think of in Revelations where John sees that number that no man could number, and he asks that who are these? They are the ones who come through great tribulation. And washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. These are the afflictions. These are these are not troubles and trials that we have concerning uh, financial problems or marriage problems or many of these things. Maybe we had a business failure or maybe we lost a half a dozen cows in my case. You might think this is hard to take or whatever. This is talking about us dealing with sin. Sin becomes, as it says in Romans, sin has to become exceedingly sinful. We all know what I'm sure most people know that it's common that we can offend somebody we can stumble and fall and and even admit that we've made a made a mistake or have problems one way or another but when sin becomes exceedingly sinful as it says in Romans then it comes up before us that this is what Jesus went to the cross for This is what he died for. Not just that I could have said the wrong thing or done the wrong thing or made some mistake. Everybody and anybody can can admit that. But when it's shown to us that Jesus was compelled to go to the cross out of love for me, It, it sheds a whole different life in everything. It says, Call to remembrance the former days in which after ye were illuminated ye endured a great fight of afflictions. We were illuminated when we came into faith. We're, we're illuminated when, when this word comes up before us as the living word powerful word of God the way that we must go to find salvation find our way through this world that we don't hear it often Old, I, I remember many years ago hearing that expression once in a while this sin cursed earth 
that the devil was cast out of heaven and he was cast into this earth and he works tirelessly to take as many with him as he can. We fight against that. We fight against wrongdoing. We fight against sin. It says, remember those days before you were illuminated. What was there for us? There was nothing. There was nothing there. There was no future for us. Nothing to, nothing to live for. Nothing to look forward to. Here we have heaven's shores to look forward to. So what it says here to me is don't worry about those, those things. This is going to happen to you. There will, there will be problems and troubles, but not the same kind we had before we had faith, before God granted us faith. Call to remembrance the former days in which, after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of afflictions. Maybe, maybe the unbeliever goes along and, and things are going along for him pretty good in this life. He becomes a child of God and he's got different battles in life. Totally different battles. It says we were made a gazing stock both by reproaches and afflictions. I've heard expressions like that. Look look at this guy. He's, He's not able to enjoy life anymore. I remember the old old preacher reeking and saying that he he was running with a bunch of these guys in their single days and and he had a he had an experience where his he heard his mother's voice not physically but in his heart that John if you continue this way you have nothing but damnation to look forward to He started looking into the way he was living and realizing that this is not the way to go. And he told his friends about that. This group of young men he was running with. And they told him that, well, don't worry about that. You know, you've got this bunch of friends and we're having a good time enjoying life and all these things. That didn't seem to override these words he had heard heard his mother's voice say. He was a gazing stock. He was suffering reproaches and and afflictions. But here, here, let's read. uh, It's just the next page. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, here here he's being reproached. He's suffering the reproach of Christ. It says he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. I remember hearing an old one of our old preachers saying that Moses could have been heir to a pyramid could have been buried in a pyramid 
that didn't mean anything to him. He grew up in the, in the royalty of the Egyptians. It says, for he had respect under the re- recompense of the reward. So he's made a gazing stock by reproaches and afflictions. And partly while you became companions of them that were so used. When we come into faith, we see that our friends have, have experienced the same things. And Jesus says to the disciples that the things he experienced, they will experience also. So Paul is writing this. He says, For ye had compassion of me in my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. So it says, and I'll read about Abraham in the next page here too. It says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. We don't, we don't see them physically. These promises. We see them afar off. We see them out there. And they're true. And they're solid. They're rock solid. And we embrace them, it says. But having seen them afar off and we're persuaded of them. Speaking of the promises. And embrace them the promises and confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth for they that say such thing declare plainly that they seek a country remember Abraham was seeking for that city which hath foundations it says here earlier whose builder makers God faith takes us there faith takes us to that city Faith is granted to, I'm going to read this, I, I looked this up here just before. Faith is granted to those that, here it says here in Isaiah 66. Thus saith the Lord, that heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me? Where is the place of my rest? It's Isaiah writing these things. For all those things which... All those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. Scriptures tell us that the temple of the living God is in the hearts of men, and of course women, all those who believe. It's a temple not made with hands. Eternal in the heavens, it's called. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. In, in the last few verses in Hebrews, it speaks of all those that have died in faith and they haven't received the promise. They haven't received the reward. 
we receive the reward once we leave this world. Yes, we do have a reward in this world. <coughs> There's promises that we cling to and hang on to, and and they are they have they have an eternal reward. But we have a better life here. We have a life where we we don't have to to be uh, accountable for sin. Jesus has looked after our sin. It says that about Abraham. That, and and I, I always have a, time, a hard time remembering that word it uses, but, but it means that we're not accountable. For, for We don't go through a life looking after ourselves in, in earthly ways and making sure we have a good life and lots of fun and, and forget about eternity. But we do fall, and we falter, and we fail, and we will. But we're not held accountable for these things. Because we believe that Jesus died and rose again, victorious over all wrongdoing. We have come to a repentance. Jesus speaks in the end of the ends of the uh, Gospels. The word to go out and preach repentance and the remission of sins. Not a, not a nice message for the unbeliever. But this is what we're supposed to do. There's, re- there's rewards in that. God blesses our lives. <clears throat> Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great rec- recompense of reward. We have to have confidence in this word. We have to have confidence in in the fact that if we strive to live by faith, the promises are going to be ours. For ye, for ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come. In this, in this world of everything being seems to be turned upside down, I will say that it's good to have something to look forward to. It looks like so many things in this world are falling apart. And we're told in the first part of Acts there the people watched Jesus being received up into the clouds. And we're told that he will come back the same way. The world looks at that and they laugh at that. How could anyone believe in such a tale as that? Or what else do we have to believe in? Do we believe that, like so many do, that all these things are happening so that things are getting better and better and better in this world? I'm afraid I, I don't subscribe to that. It says, for yet a little while, and he that shall come will come. I remember Brother Cliff, probably days before he left this world, saying that I thought I was going to see 
the end of this world and Jesus coming. Well, you saw the end. You saw Jesus, I'm sure. We haven't seen the end of this world yet. He wanted to have that hope that this word talks about. That we can, we'll see Jesus come again. In power and great glory, the word says. I don't know why I'm so emotional this morning, but excuse me. A little while. It it doesn't seem like it's a little while. It seems like it's taking quite a while. But the word instructs us not to, not to fall into that. That the world falls into, and they they make these comments that something is is as slow as the second coming of Christ. We're not supposed to fall into that thinking. It says, "Yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry." Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. We don't want to. We don't want to stop in this walk of faith. We don't want to go into reverse and go backwards. We want to continue on. We want to keep looking up. As the song says, "I look not back." God knows the fruitless efforts, the wasted hours, the sinning, the regrets. And those different verses. But the last verse is, but I look up into the face of Jesus. For there my heart can rest. My fears are stilled. And there is joy and love and light for darkness. Perfect peace. And every hope fulfilled. Let's keep it in a forward gear. Let's go ahead. Let's wait for Jesus to come. Whether he comes to us individually and we don't see the end of this world. Or whether we see it. I I can't see how it can go on a whole lot longer. But we have hope. have a living hope of eternal life if we come to a repentance come to acknowledge and understand what we are and make that known and we can hear those words from a brother brother or sister who are the ambassadors of Jesus believe these things forgiven Believe that just that Jesus came for these reasons. Believe that he died. Believe that he rose again victorious over all wrongdoing. For your sin and my sin. We have that hope then. It said if any man draw back. We're not supposed to, as it says in one of the Gospels, put our hand to the plow and then look back. We're supposed to look ahead. 
If any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition. We draw back and go backwards and, and go back into our former ways as the scriptures teach against. Things will not be good. When to continue looking ahead. Continue moving ahead. But we are of those that believe to the saving of our souls. No no man with even the deepest of understanding could have written this book. And no man with the deepest of understanding outside of God's leading and enlightenment can read this book and believe it. God gives us that. He gives us faith. He gives us understanding. Praising for that. It says that we believe to the saving of the soul. In Jesus' name, Amen.
Let us hear that confession of faith in which we do believe. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified dead and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, Father Almighty. From then he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. <coughs> Let us pray with and for them who will now partake of the Lord's Holy Supper. Lord Jesus Christ, thou bread of life, grant that thy holy communion may be a blessing to all those who today shall partake of it, that through the power of thy body and blood they may receive peace and comfort to their souls and be strengthened in faith, love, and a lively hope of eternal life. Amen. Truly it is meet, right, and blessed that we should at all times and in all places give thanks unto thee, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks he brake it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, when he had supped and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often ye drink it in remembrance of me. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which is and which was and which is to come, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in our highest. Let us pray as our Lord Jesus Christ taught us, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us of evil, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever Amen. The peace of the Lord be with Jesus Christ, broken for you. Through the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, broken for you. Through the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, broken for you. 
the body of our Lord Jesus Christ broken for you.